0: Foundations.
1: Adding all of these traditions, they they reverence the word of God so much that they wanted to build. I've said before, build a fence around it, extend the parameters of what the original law says to make sure they don't inadvertently break the laws, and then they build on that, build on that, build on that.
0: Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith with Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In today's program, we're going to have a look at the conundrum Judaism has faced for centuries, especially since the destruction of the temple. It adapted and built itself on a foundation other than the written word. Christianity isn't immune from this and can have a tendency to build itself on experience as well. What does the Bible say we're supposed to build our faith on? That's what we're going to tackle over the next two programs on foundations.
1: It has actually become quite a conundrum over the centuries for Judaism. We've talked about this before, there were uh, have been two diasporas. The first diaspora took place um, when Nebuchadnezzar sacked Jerusalem, um, destroyed the temple and the Jews went into a period of 70 years of diaspora. There was a start date, there was a stop date. And then you have the second diaspora that uh, began um, in 70 AD when Titus Vespasian again laid siege to Jerusalem, destroyed the temple and the Jews went into uh, the diaspora. Now that was 2,000 years ago that that took place and while Israel has been reborn 1948, May Mm. 1948 and is a sovereign nation in its own right and there are more Jews today living in Israel than there are Jews living outside Israel which is a miracle in itself but there are still 6 million Jews living in the rest of the world. So the diaspora is actually... Hasn't finished yet. It hasn't closed. The difficulty for the Jewish people is that when the temples were destroyed, the capacity to fulfil the obligations of the law, the Mosaic sacrificial law, was destroyed. Mm. And they, without being able to fulfil those functions, how could Judaism survive? It, it could have quite easily disintegrated without the sacrificial system. So, they had to kind of adapt it mm. and become more tradition. Heavy, so to speak. Yeah,
0: you know, I guess they've done well to adapt it and keep yeah. things moving on. But I guess there is that danger that you start to build extra things into it. And mm. I guess the reality is, though, that that hasn't only happened since the Diaspora because no. even Isaiah talks about this a couple of centuries before the first Diaspora. So we read in Isaiah 29, the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I'll once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous. And the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed. So, I guess that's, I guess, hinting towards this becoming an issue. But even before the temple was dealt away with,
1: yeah, they'd already developed this. Um, I was going to say tradition of building traditions. Mm. Uh, that that added to or embellished uh, the word of God. You know, I've mentioned it before that they talk about for the Jews they were so. It, it's not that it's not that they've have had evil intent with regard to adding all of these traditions. They've been so they reverence the word of God so much that they wanted to build. I've said before, uh, build a fence around it. Mm extend the parameters of what the original law says to make sure they don't inadvertently break the laws. And then they build on that and build on that and build on that. Mm. And you're right. They'd already started this several centuries before the first diaspora took place. It was already becoming a problem. And when you do that, you undermine God's very word to start with. And, And you go to then Nehemiah's day with Ezra and they had to rebuild the temple in a very modest capacity. They kind of had a bit of a revival um, and they embraced this thing of applicational traditions. And and what this did was it meant that the Pharisaic traditions that developed out of trying to understand how to live out the law of God morphed even more so. They'd come out of the diaspora, built the temple. They wanted to ensure they didn't go that way again, but what they actually did was <laughs> kind of made it even more yeah. dangerous for themselves. So it's
0: almost like an overcorrect in some respects, isn't it? They've, they've yeah. just, with good intent, as you say, yeah they've actually probably put too much into it. And I guess the reality is that we're talking about the Jews here, but whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic Christian, Mm -hmm. exactly the same thing can and has happened over the years where we put so much weight on whether it be what the priest says or in church tradition that we actually lose what is in God's word and yes. we become focused on works.
1: Absolutely, because it becomes the focus of the the man who is speaking on behalf of God. Mm. And you're right; all church traditions and, and denominations have done this. And and again, this is what the, the Jewish people did when they embraced what they called the oral law. There's no mention in Scripture of the oral law at all, none at all. But they believe that Moses was also given an oral law. That oral law was to help them interpret how to live out the written law. Mm. And so the oral law, as handed down by rabbis and and whatnot and sages over a long period of time, this is what developed out of it. Their word became law. Now, there is a a story in the Talmud. Again, this is not inspired scripture. It's one of these interpretive (laughs) Jewish literatures to help Live out and understand the Torah, but what this uh, in this story? There is a, a man who built a clay oven. He wanted to make it bigger, so he broke it in pieces. He added stuff to it and made it bigger. And then he says to the rabbis, "Can you tell me? Can you make sure that I've got this thing? It's kosher." And so one of the rabbis, Rabbi, Rabbi Eleazar, he says, "Yes, it's kosher." And he uses all these miraculous signs, actually, numerous of them. And and then God actually speaks with an audible voice from heaven and said, "Yes." Rabbi Eliezer is correct. The oven is kosher. But then there's Rabbi Joshua, and he says, nah, even if um, God speaks in an audible voice and miracles happen, the authority to determine what is kosher or not or to interpret the, the Scriptures has been given to the leaders, to the rabbis, to the religious leaders, and so we get to determine mm. what is right and what is wrong. Not it, n- We don't even consider yeah. whether God is speaking out of heaven. The authority belongs to us. And so that is what has actually influenced a lot of rabbinic mm. Judaism today.
0: And so obviously you can see the danger in that where we sort of discount <laughs> yeah. God's word and say, oh, it doesn't matter well, so long as we're meeting tradition. That
1: particular story is a classic example. You've got two rabbis and neither of them agree. Mm. And so if the interpretation or the teaching of the scripture is left to men, well they're going to disagree with each other. So who do you believe? That's yeah. why we're supposed to go back to the actual written law. What mm-hmm. does it actually say and and live according to
0: that. And that's where Jesus got quite angry, didn't he, with He's the down. Pharisees and the church leaders of his time because of what they were doing, you know, he would basically say to them that they had become uh, or that their rules had become burdensome mm-hmm. and that they were you know put in these man-made traditions on top of God's word and it was it was weighing people down it was actually causing them to sort of you know buckle under the the weight of all that but it wasn't actually part of God's original plan
1: no 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 it wasn't and if you think about it before the temple was rebuilt you know You can kind of understand why the Jewish people in a bid to want to live a holy life when they couldn't sacrifice an animal, they would sacrifice some part of their own freedom or they'd put a self-inflicted limitation on themselves to say, God, I want to live humbly and sacrificially before you and I'm going to do this or do that as an extra effort on my part to please you. But when Jesus was born, the temple was actually in service, that they had all the sacrifices going, but they... Also have mm. all these extra burdens placed upon them, and, and Jesus said, y- "You've you've got so much that you're weighing the people down with, and these traditions have actually undermined God's word yeah. in its original." So, so it was it was really quite a mess, and so the real question is: so if it's not built on traditions and activities, and if it's not built on um, the sacrificial system Especially if the temple's gone there isn't What is our The Christian faith and Judaism What's it built on Or what is it supposed to be built on We yeah. haven't quite got there yet but <laughs> We've kind of got to understand What it's not built on mm. first
0: Well that's right We've sort of set that stage Of what it's not built on And in our next program We're going to continue to explore this question And to find out what uh, God is leading his people to uh, Both Jews and Gentiles in regards to their capacity to love and serve God. So we'll explore that next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations.